Welcome to Big News Wednesday. For a brief second, I was thinking, wait, is it Thursday? Am I wrong? No, anyway, uh, I'm John Adarola. Hey, look, it's Adrian. Adrian Lawrence, how's it going? It's pretty good. And yeah, I did the same thing, wondering if it was Wednesday or not. I feel you. I was pretty sure. But you can never be too sure. But anyway, I'm glad to have you here. Jared Jackson is going to return to Big News Wednesday at some point. But in the meantime, it gives us an opportunity to talk politics with some of our favorite people, including Adrian. So thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited as well because we have a lot to talk about. CNN is doing candidate town halls for, I'm guessing, all of the candidates because we're going to be talking about Ron DeSantis on the show today. And they're doing one with Vivek Ramaswamy. I don't know if it's just going to be him or if it's him and Alex Jones or if Alex <laughs> Jones will be able to talk to him through like an earpiece or something. But regardless, he'll just be saying things that he saw in Infowars. So that'll be fun. And maybe Nikki Haley will get one too. But aside from that, we have a lot of other news, including some big updates on the topic of abortion. Uh, some of uh, Republicans' favorite people to hang out with calling for the death penalty for anyone who's not Christian. So that's fun. More bad news for Rudy Giuliani and Elon Musk disappointing his base in a particular way. They have an issue with a piece of technology that he's rolled out. No, it doesn't mean that they can now, uh, you know, actually see the flaws in Tesla self-driving or the panel gaps or anything like that. The way that Twitter's falling apart, it's about AI, and we're going to break it down. But then in the aftermath, um, we've got even more to talk about, including the right wing's growing obsession with Taylor Swift. I almost could not fit all of their talk about Taylor Swift into one show. We also have how a revelation on how Etsy is helping facilitate human trafficking. Okay. And a Twitch streamer's amazing sociological experiment. And so we're going to be breaking down the results of that. But in advance of all that, please hit the like button, everyone. Uh, as we jump into this thing, we're going to be starting off by talking about the probably futile attempt to replace Donald Trump as the Republican nominee. I'm not. I'm not a candidate. This is my kids would say. That's my jam. Uh, you know, Donald Trump. So he's uh, when he gets off the teleprompter. Now you don't know what he's going to say. He's a different Donald Trump than 15 and 16. You know, back then he was colorful, but it was really America first about the policies. Now a lot of it's about him. And when he's doing this and says that debating Hillary Clinton after Access Hollywood was like an example of bravery that some general told him was was more significant than soldiers who fight and die in war, that is offensive and that is wrong. Donald Trump has refused to debate throughout this campaign. That last year with COVID, I think was mishandled dramatically. Shutting down the country was a huge mistake. Printing trillions and trillions of dollars was a huge mistake. That set the foundation for the inflation that we see. So I don't know what the legislature, what they have, they analyzed it, but it very well may be because of that ruling under Donald Trump that they may have had a legal leg to stand up. My view would be that's that's not a religion that the founding fathers were trying to create. But I do think that IRS ruling, I was really surprised to see that they did that. 
Okay, so at the end there, he's talking about the uh, satanic altar in the Iowa State Capitol. But there you saw excerpts from Ron DeSantis' appearance with Jake Tapper on the uh, CNN town hall. And you can see that a lot of that was uh, his attempts to criticize Donald Trump within the very specific confines of how he thinks he's allowed to. And that is what makes virtually every one of those clips utterly fascinating. I just, I love what he can criticize and what he can't. So he's gonna criticize him on the pandemic, not on a you know a failed government response that resulted in over a million people dying, but on the stuff that he did to not let the government, the, the country utterly fall apart. The lockdown, which is barely a national lockdown, it was like for two weeks, but they still pretend that that was a terrible thing. You shouldn't have done that. You should have let everyone congregate and get sick and die. And uh, the money they gave out, which yeah, probably was linked to inflation. And a lot of it didn't need to be handed out. Uh, Republican Congress people were pulling in hundreds of thousands of dollars that they didn't need and didn't have to pay back. But it also could have resulted in the, in the economy falling apart even more if you hadn't provided the stimulus that you did. And then you have stuff like him mentioning how he's now when he's off the teleprompter, he's a bit random. He's different than he was in 2015 and 2016. What are you talking about? That's exactly who he was back then. But I get it. You're supposed to pretend that he was cool back then and you liked him. It's not a change in you opposing him now. It's just that he's changed. Now he says dangerous, random things. Whereas back in 2016, he spoke like a Harvard professor or something. And so a lot of that is utterly ridiculous. But Adrian, he is he has been sort of backed into a corner where he can't really attack Trump on the most significant flaws of Trump. But he has to attack him because he's currently getting walloped in Iowa. He's down 35 percentage points among likely caucus participants. So he's got to do something. What did you make of his attempts? Oh, it's clear one of those last uh, last ditch efforts because you're absolutely right. The fact is that DeSantis is not pulling well and things, uh, the window's kind of closing here. So he has to step up and say something. It's just so interesting because before when he did have to, to some extent, attack Trump, he would uh, pussyfoot around it, not necessarily be direct in saying it, never really use his name. Uh, and now it seems that he is definitely leaning into going after Trump. But as you've noted, he's not going after him on the most significant things. He could attack him on. It just really shows you that DeSantis is extremely scared as he should be, but really he should just pack it up and go away, take his heels and just maybe actually be a governor <laughs> of a state because what he's trying mm-hmm. to do in this candidate uh, this candidate race, it's just, it's laughable and it's not going to pay off for him. Yep, uh, arguably those boots were made for walking and maybe he should just walk. Maybe we'll talk some more about that, but, um, but I just wanna make sure that I don't forget as you as you said, he like there's things that he has to avoid criticizing him for. So the fact that he's facing 91 indictments, oops, can't mention that. That's all totally acceptable. It's fine that you're a serial criminal. Um, he talked there about him saying that the general had said that Trump was braver than all the soldiers who fought and died around him. But did you notice he wouldn't say what that story was about? It was about the grab him by the p word thing, and he can't be specific about that. Because he has to pretend that there was nothing wrong with him saying that. Again, do you see the weird gymnastics that he has to do? Um, and so, yeah, he's, he's got to criticize him. He has to pretend that his brain was con, like relatively contiguous back in 2016. And I don't know how you're supposed to win a boxing match when you are willingly holding both hands behind your back. To be clear, I don't think he could beat him even if he was attacking him and all this stuff, both because he doesn't have the juice and because the Republican base loves Trump more than they'll ever love Ron DeSantis. But this definitely isn't the way. And that said, I do wanna move to some of the areas of substance that they got to. So let's jump into their talk 
about Ron DeSantis's prior promises to gun down migrants attempting to cross the southern border. As a way to stop the flow of fentanyl to the US, you have promised to shoot drug smugglers, quote, stone cold dead at the border. How is that legal and how can you ensure that you're not gonna end up shooting innocent people? So one, they are invading our, the drug cartels are invading our country and they're poisoning our people and killing them by the tens of thousands. So not only do we have a right as president, you have a responsibility to fight back on behalf of the people of this country. You see the stupid, the stupid, smooth-brained way that he tried to evade responsibility for the things that he's he said. So he said, "You have a responsibility to fight back." Why did you go suddenly vague and abstract? You'd made a specific claim. You were going to gun down people crossing the southern border. Now you're saying, "Oh well, we have to do something." Yeah, but we were asking you about the legality of a specific thing that you are claiming for. And as a former military lawyer, one would think that you would have a strong legal basis for the things that you're saying. So, the only attempt he made to sort of explain that is to couch all migration as the cartels invading America. So, first of all, it's ridiculous. But how exactly is that going to work? Like the soldier who has, you know, like a young woman in his crosshairs is going to shout out, "Hey, are you part of the cartels?" No. Okay, then you can come. How is that supposed to work in practice? And and I I also, by the way, while he deserves much of the criticism here for Jake Tapper, how do you avoid shooting people who are innocent? What are you implying there that in some cases it is acceptable to gun down people crossing the border? What if they look cartelish? He should, it's super clear. You can't gun down people randomly that are just trying to get into America. That's not how any of this is supposed to work. And while I should have no standards for Ron DeSantis, for Jake Tapper, we should at least expect him to not play into the preferred framing of sociopathic proto dictators like he's interviewing at these town halls. I apologize, Adrian. What do you make of the response? Oh, there's no apologies there. You would like to think that people would see others as actual individual people as opposed to maybe targets or maybe things that that are used as political pawns. But that's not necessarily the case, particularly when it's individuals crossing borders because their states or their countries have been destabilized by the United States. But that being said, I want to jump forward to even the issue of drugs and cartels. As I have said before, the thing is, is we can address the whole fentanyl crossing the border, whatnot, but until we address the actual demand and why there's demand for it, then we're really not doing anything. Let's talk about giving people universal health care. Let's talk about ensuring people have livable wages, ensuring people have homes. Let's look at ways in which we can help people so that they do not want to avoid their own reality. But that's not what Ron DeSantis wants to do. Instead, he wants to create these kind of race wars, anti-LGBTQ campaigns, and not actually support the Floridians that are out there who are in need of maybe just having an actual life and livelihood that should be guaranteed based especially based on the taxes that are paid. Yeah, 100 you're right. It's it's not about proposing actual solutions to problems. It's about proposing some sort of fantasy for murderous right-wingers who want just just give me a scenario in which I can kill black and brown people. Just I don't care what it is. Any scenario, it doesn't have to be feasible. That's Look, in a larger sense for the Republicans, a problem isn't a problem unless you can solve it by shooting it. I mean, that that's the way that they think about this. So it doesn't make any sense to me. I think he went into a little bit more depth. Let's see what he has in this clip. 
And what that means is we're gonna designate the cartels as foreign terrorist organizations. So it's not just willy nilly saying we're gonna shoot anyone. How do you know? Just like when I was serving in Iraq. When I was in Iraq and anyone that knows it served there, the Al Qaeda did not wear a uniform that said Al Qaeda. They all dress the same. So someone could be walking down the street. You don't know if they were civilian or if they had an IED strapped to their, to their body. And so you had to make judgments about hostile intent. That is utter madness, what he just said there. It might not even be super clear exactly all of the ways that that's madness. So first of all, him like through rose colored glasses calling back to the situation in Iraq as if, oh, that's how we solve our problems. We do it like we did in Iraq where hundreds of thousands of civilians were murdered. So that's great right off the bat. He said, you don't just do it willy nilly, you know, remember Iraq where you had some terrorists and some innocent people, you couldn't tell them apart. Wait, so what exactly is the lesson that we're applying here? You also can't tell apart you making up how many supposed cartel members are crossing the border. But so then how do we know who to shoot? And I might be an idiot, I'm not a former military lawyer, but it seems like there are one of two scenarios that could play out here. Either you just do it willy nilly where you're shooting people, or you confirm it some way, and then presumably you're still gunning them down. So presumably you've captured these people, you've confirmed that they're cartel members, and then you execute them in cold blood. What is the scenario? Like the, the town hall should have stopped at this point. And this is now what the conversation is about. Jake Tapper's ethical obligation as a journalist is to ask about nothing else other than Ron DeSantis's plan to begin mass murdering people at the southern border. Now, eventually they did move on to a bunch of other topics, and I have no idea how this is supposed to work in practice. But I know that he's not backing off of the plan, Adrian. He still thinks this is a great idea and a great way, by the way, to move up in the polls by, by promising mass murder. Yeah, and I'm sure he would have loved to promise people that they could take, uh, you know, they could take matters into their own hands and be their own vigilantes. I just feel like it's almost like a Gavin Newsom moment here of saying, you know, the only individual from a state that actually has a border where people are crossing. Because it just, DeSantis, all he is doing is leaning into this ideology that the right loves to play, the thought that someone's attacking us and we're gonna let you shoot them. And guess what? On top of that, they're black and brown, have a good time with it. As opposed to, let's actually talk about issues here. And let's also remind ourselves that these individuals are, are human beings. And also yeah. that there is not that significant of an issue. The bigger issue here, as far as I'm concerned, is that the US people are not being taken care of by their government. I agree. I also know that there are gonna be more of these town halls. Yep. I don't know if I don't I look, I can't say if it's gonna be Jake Tapper that does it, but there are gonna be more of these town halls. And look, I never went to journalism school. I'm just an idiot on YouTube. But I have an idea for how you could possibly address this in the future. Jake Tapper, since you know you're gonna ask about that quote and you know he's not gonna back off of it, stop asking hypotheticals. Ask specific questions. We have a lot of uh, you know, drone footage and surveillance footage and news camera footage of migrants crossing the southern border. I want you to print out some of the photos and I want you to ask Ron DeSantis, would we shoot this person? What about this woman? The kid that's clutching her hand, would the sniper gun that person down? Which of these migrants would be shot on sight and which would be allowed through? Don't let him hide behind, Oh, you know, something cartel, something, something to crit. 
No, specifically, you want to put people at the border and you want to deputize them to decide who lives and who dies based on the first impression the migrant makes. So I want you to specifically say, we're going to give you a, a picture of a crowd, who lives and who dies. Now, if he really wants to move up in the Republican polls, he'll say I would gun down all of them and every Republican in the audience would cheer until their voice was dead. But I don't think he's going to do that. I would love to see it. I don't expect that Jake Tapper will make that move. But before we move on to other topics, any other thoughts about this, Adrian? No, not at all, other than the fact that you are trying to seek refuge in some way should not be a death sentence. And it's really disgusting. If anybody is down for something like that, not let alone Ron DeSantis, who's supposed to be a leader. Yesterday, the Texas Supreme Court uh, ruled that a pregnant woman in Texas could not obtain an abortion. Now, her lawyer said that carrying the fetus to term could compromise her future fertility and also put her life in danger. Do you think the law should require a woman in that kind of difficult position to carry the baby to term? Uh, what I can tell you is in Florida, the Florida legislature passed a heartbeat bill uh, that contained exceptions. And I understand they're very difficult. And, and these things get a lot of press attention, I understand. Uh, but that's a very small percentage that those exceptions cover. You know, there's a lot of other situations where we have an opportunity to realize really good human potential. And and how exactly would we do that? Would we do that by backing off of the insane laws that Republicans have passed that have resulted in horrors being played out on a daily basis in states across mostly the South, but other parts of America as well? I, like he hid in a way that so many Republicans do behind other exceptions. And he talked about how in, in Florida, we have exceptions. No, I understand that you have exceptions. I understand that that is supposed to be the paper pointless shield that you hide behind to avoid culpability for your insane religiously dogmatic laws that you're passing. The point of all of this is that those exceptions aren't worth a damn. They will not save Kate Cox's reproductive ability. They won't save her life necessarily. She, like so many, is being forced to flee to another state because you pass those exceptions so that you could get the laws passed. That's it, with no intent that anyone would be able to qualify under them. What he finds so inconvenient is that the case of Kate Cox is pointing that out to everyone. It shouldn't have required this case study. We and others in media have been saying it since before the laws were passed. But now it is an unavoidable conclusion that those exceptions don't mean anything. And you should never gamble your future or the future of those you love on these little dribs and drabs of lies that they've put in their legislation. I think Jake Tapper did sort of point that out, which is good. And we're gonna have more to say about that later in the show. But Adrian, what do you make of this? Uh, you know, I really think that you have hit the nail on the head. The fact is that these little exceptions out here uh, that the Republican Party likes to say are qualifiers and they're in the event of legitimate abortions, that they're really just a farce. They're not here because they require the permission, the approval of members of the judiciary or members of legislature in some way. And these are the same individuals who co-signed onto these restrictions. And we're seeing this play out in Texas right now. That there are truly no exceptions if you have to get permission from a body or board that is against you being able to access that form of healthcare to begin with. 
And it's so incredibly, incredibly disheartening that people continue to vote for individuals who would make decisions like this. And I really hope that the situation with Cox down in Texas is enough to get people to make good decisions when they are at the ballot boxes, because otherwise they are doing nothing more than guaranteeing a future that involves more restrictions and more farce-like exceptions provided by the Republican Party. 100%. I mean, I, look, nobody should be surprised that this is happening, that people are, and she's gonna be able to, to get out of the state. Yeah. Other people will not, they will not have the resources, they won't have the media attention, they won't have the nonprofit connections. Um, they will suffer, they will have horrendous experiences. Some will be scarred for life, some will no longer be able to have children for the rest of their life, some will die. Uh, Republicans know that and have passed the laws anyway. That is it, that is what is going on here. Um, they don't want you to pay attention to these cases that make clear the horror of how these these situations are adjudicated. And that's as true for Kate Cox as it is for, as we talked about yesterday in the show, Brittany Watts. These laws are set up to repress. That's what they are there for. And so we cannot be surprised that in the end, what we get is repression. It is not a side effect. It's not an unforeseen consequence. It is unfortunate for them that people are paying attention to it, but that's what it's there for. There has always been, you don't need a judge or Ken Paxton or the Republican state legislature. There has always been a perfectly suited arbiter as to whether a person needs to have an abortion. And it's the goddamn person who's pregnant. They have the expertise, they have the knowledge of their life situation. They know what is going on. And the idea that some conservative who has, since the first time they took notice of women, despised and lusted after and feared them should be making that decision is utterly sick and only makes sense to men who are as broken as he is. Ron DeSantis. Look, if there's any, if there's anything to make us feel better about this is that um, he might well not drop out after Iowa when he is going to get utterly creamed. He might hang around and that is only gonna increase the pain for him. It is only gonna hurt his reputation more. It is only gonna hurt his chances of ever actually becoming president some more. And you know, it is difficult right now to come up with someone who deserves the suffering he is inflicting on himself more than Ron DeSantis. Any final thoughts on this before we take our break, Adrian? Uh, no, I just think it would be very, very disheartening that individuals will continue to prop up and um, others like Ron DeSantis uh, if he continues to be governor after this. If individuals continue to allow somebody like this to be in a leadership position and to encourage them. But then again, mm -hmm. we have individuals like Vivek Ramaswamy who also unapologetically think they should be in a position to lead. Scary. 100%. Oh, and don't worry, we will get to him following <laughs> his CNN town hall. Can't wait. God only imagines what he will say. Might actually make Ron DeSantis seem somewhat reasonable by comparison and isn't that sick. Offred was her name, at least her Gilead name. It took me a bit to remember because I didn't watch the last season of that show. But anyway, welcome back everyone. If you're just joining us now, please hit the like button, share the stream if that is a thing that can be done on a platform that you're on because we're jumping into more news. Republican senators of Texas, John Cornyn and Ted Cruz are doing everything they can to neo-dodge questions about the fate of Kate Cox, a mother of two uh, who has now drawn sustained national attention after their state Supreme Court blocked her from getting a medically necessary uh, abortion after her fetus received a fatal diagnosis. 
It is a, like a prototypical case of what their supposed exceptions to their abortion bans are supposed to allow. It is a non-viable fetus and forcing her to continue the pregnancy risks her life and her ability to have children in the future. This should be a slam dunk, easiest thing in the world, and they refuse to actually say what they think. So according to NBC News, they were notably skittish when they were asked to weigh in on Cox's situation. Given multiple opportunities to respond to questions, you had John Corden saying, I'm not a state official, so I'm not gonna comment on what state officials are doing. I'm happy to comment on anything that I'm responsible for when asked whether he was worried that the health of women in his state may be at risk because of the Texas law. By the way, I don't know that this matters, but it feels like it matters that he used to be on the Texas Supreme Court. And you don't have a thought about it? You and you and Ted Cruz don't feel like you should be weighing in on what's going on in America unless it directly applies to your job. You guys seem pretty freed up mentally to talk about this stuff when it doesn't make you look terrible. Um, so anyway, five times he would not answer questions about it, despite it taking place in his state, despite him being part of a Republican Senate caucus that could well advance a federal abortion ban or Donald Trump to or another Republican to become president in 2024. Uh, Ted Cruz, by the way, was pressed about the case three times and repeatedly told NBC News to call his press office without engaging further. The press office did not respond to a request for comment. So suddenly he doesn't have anything to say, his press office doesn't have anything to say. Weirdly, after the fall of Roe v. Wade, he called the Texas ban that was passed a massive victory. But wait a second, you don't wanna talk about what the, is happening at the state legislative level, but when they passed the bill, you thought it was the best thing ever. We need to we need to cheer, break out the champagne. So weird how that works. When the inevitable inevitable consequences of that massive victory come due, suddenly you don't want to look at the bill. Adrian, what do you make of their uh, their craven behavior? I, you know what, you're spot on. They don't want to be a part of it when they actually have to face some kind of consequences in some way, when they actually have to answer questions. When really we get to see that the man behind uh, behind a curtain is. Really, just somebody who hates women, and that was really the objective here, and they knew that from the jump. Hundred percent. By the way, they're like all skittish; they don't want to answer questions. And again, mm -hmm. why are they skittish? They're skittish for the same reason that we have been saying every show for years now. They know on a fundamental level, America doesn't agree with them, has never agreed with them, and will never, under any circumstances, agree with them on the topic of abortion. They know it. Every one of the boneheads in independent right-wing media knows it. They lie and pretend that they can persuade people, but we've got a track record going back twice as long as they've been alive that they cannot win over a majority of America and they know it. Which is why when they pass these bills, they they try to hide behind the supposed exceptions that they have no interest of ever having anyone actually fall under. And when asked direct questions about it, they're always, oh, no. We're not gonna go any farther or anything. We don't want to do it. As soon as they get the chance, they'll pass it. But they know how unpopular that'll be, so they evade responsibility. And we have a great example of that. Here's Steve Daines, National Republican Senatorial Committee Chairman, not saying whether the position on abortion will be a liability for Ted Cruz, with Colin Allred challenging him in the Senate position next year. But he does say. We do not support a federal ban on all abortions. We'll return to that in a sec. Democrats who said we do, that's a lie. Second, we believe there should be exceptions of rape, incest, and health, and the life of the mother. We've already pointed out that doesn't mean anything. 
It doesn't mean anything if you can't actually fall under the exceptions. Third, there should be reasonable limits placed on late-term abortions, with exceptions for rape, incest, and the life of the mother. Contrast that reasonable position to the Democrats' position that I will now invent, which is to put no limits for taxpayer-funded abortions up until the very moment of birth. Who? Who is saying that? Which candidate for the Senate? Which candidate for the presidency? Can, can you come up with one well-known, powerful, well-connected Democrat who has ever even hinted at that. Now you might say, well, that's not fair. Cuz John, you're saying that when he says they don't support a federal ban on abortion, well, you're not providing receipts. No, I'll, I'll happily provide receipts. Donald Trump has dodged questions about it. What do you think that means? You're gonna risk your future on the fact that he's not going to say what he actually thinks. By the way, Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley have specifically said that they do support it. Multiple senators have already said that they would support it at a variety of different levels, at six weeks, at 15 weeks. They're on the record. Steve Daines is simply lying about that. And I would if I were him too, honestly. Look at how they have to respond when the, the focus is on abortion nationally. They lie about what the Democrats support, saying they support abortion up until five seconds before birth or whatever, as if that's a thing that ever happens or if anybody actually supports that. And then they hide again behind these fake made up exceptions that don't mean a damn in the real world. We can see through that. He knows, he knows that those who are paying attention can see through it. They're just hoping to delude enough people because even many Republicans don't support their positions on this. Apologies again, Adrian. What do you think about this and the politics of it? You know, will oh. this actually be a thing that affects like Ted Cruz's Senate race? Okay, so um, I, number one, you have nothing to apologize for. Uh, I'm so disappointed to have to say, but I unfortunately don't necessarily know that it will in fact uh, affect like Ted Cruz or any of the other Republicans races in part because a lot of this is ingrained because of patriarchy. We gotta be honest, there are so many women out there who are fully and completely aware that there are going to be laws passed that do not favor them, but they're going to continue to vote for individuals who really uplift these laws because of patriarchy. And I think that's also what these Republicans are well aware of. They know that it has a stronghold on so many women voters out there that they're willing to continue to vote against their interests. And that's what they are counting on. And I think that that's what we're gonna see, unfortunately. Um, you know, And I feel really kind of gross about it, but I remember asking myself, I really wonder what Cox and her husband, who they voted for down there in Texas, and if this entire situation is going to change their vote the next time they get an opportunity uh, to have a say so. Because unfortunately, I don't yeah. know that it will. And that's what these Republicans are counting on. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know. She, I don't think, I, I've never seen her talk about what her actual politics were. She said she had never thought that she would ever need to or want to have an abortion. That, that's all I know. Um, but yeah, the, the entire thing is utterly ridiculous. By the way, let me just brief, we're gonna, we're gonna move on to another aspect of this in a second. But just like, like we, we to some extent gloss over when they claim that Democrats support abortion up until the minute of the birth. But I want you to pause mentally on that for a second. Because I want you to attempt briefly to get in the head of a person who believes that there is a single person capable of being pregnant in this country who would get pregnant, carry the fetus for nine months, and then a minute before giving birth think, you know what? No, actually, I'm not going to do that. 
I love that you said that, John, because like, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, nobody would put their body through that level of hell just yeah. to at the last minute say, oh, let's have it all for nothing. I know I have all these stretch marks. I know my body's completely distorted. I've risen my chance of having like diabetes and all these other health concerns. Uh, yeah. No, I'm not going to do this. Yeah, right. Like, no one does that. What are you talking about? No, 100%. And by the way, what does the guy making that claim? That he he at least pretends or thinks that a woman could do that. What does that say about what he thinks of women? That he thinks of their mind. He doesn't think that they're humans. He doesn't think that they're like understandable, reasonable people that are fully human in the way yeah. that he is. He doesn't. He thinks they're cartoons, they're caricatures. Yep. Or and monsters. That they can't maybe. be trusted. We can't be trusted. We don't make logical decisions. We are basically we're children. We're toddlers. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And just briefly, I want to mention two other things before we move on. Um, you know who is mad about the Texas Supreme Court ruling? All of them are evading, like responding to it. But one Republican senator did respond. Susan Collins said, "I thought it was a terrible decision that may affect her future ability to carry a child." Was forced to leave Texas to get a much needed abortion. It's just inconceivable to me. Go all of the way to every hell that could ever be conceived of. Oh, it's inconceivable. It's incon. Is it as inconceivable as uh, Brett Kavanaugh ruling to strike down Roe v. Wade? Because I remember when you said he told me it was settled law. That'll never happen. I can totally put him on the Supreme Court. He never actually paved the way for these insane laws like we're seeing in Texas. Oh, You're really aggrieved by what you're seeing right now. You are an active participant in producing all of these situations. So get the hell out of here with your supposed last minute empathy. And also one thing to bear in mind going forward, because again, we have the Supreme Court that we do. They have now picked up a challenge to access to one of the most popular abortion pills. Now it was the Biden administration that has asked them to take up the case because the United States Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit had issued a decision that would curb the availability of the drug. Again, it's just right wing zealots on one of the levels of the judiciary trying to stop people from having rights to control their own bodies. And I guess the Biden administration is hoping like, oh, I hope the Supreme Court allows it. And the Supreme Court has previously said that it should be up to the states, but they also killed Roe v. Wade. So everyone stay tuned, it's gonna be an exciting decision. Adrian, what do you think? I, I'm scared. I'm very, very scared. Um, you know, the US Supreme Court has continued to show us, or this new uh, conservative right wing leaning court has continued to show us that it's completely rogue. It has no regard for stare decisis or precedent that this more, this is more about pushing an agenda, the right wing agenda, and they are legislating from the bench. Uh, and it's so crazy interesting because when so many of them sat before the Senate, they said um, there were certain cases out there, primarily Brown v. Board, that weren't decided or they indicated that it wasn't decided correctly because it ignored precedent and totally strayed from it. And then they get behind the bench and they do the same damn thing yeah. when it comes to issues that support the right. It just, it, it's scary. It, it really shows us that these people can't be trusted and we really have nothing to hang our hats on in terms of having some understanding and expectation of what the laws are in this nation and how it should move forward. It's just so utterly frustrating. Mm -hmm. um, you, 
Really fast, um, because you know I've, I've been raised to think that judges are unimpeachable fonts of judicial objective wisdom. You went, you went to law school. Uh, the people that you were in law school with, that's what they were like, right? They were effectively angels who can do no wrong and have no political biases or anything else, right? Oh God, no! They told us basically. I think like twenty five percent of us would be disbarred. Like they, uh, they, they already kind of uh, counted on it. But the thing is, it's like so many of us lawyers, our entire career, our livelihoods, our outlook is based on the thought that we can predict what's coming next because we should be able to rely on precedent. That mm -hmm. has been eliminated by virtue yeah. of the Supreme Court. Where now we're just like, I don't know. We'll see. Yep. 100%. Okay, we're going to take uh, our second break, actually, because uh, we were going for a while. We have three more topics that we have to get to. They're very important. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Okay, everybody, we're going to jump uh, into more news and we're going to start off with uh, some really rough stuff, but don't worry, lighter news is coming. So let's, uh, let's jump into this. There is an occult element at the high levels of society and specifically among the Jews. So many of the people that are perpetrating the lies and the destruction on the country, they are evildoers. They are people that worship false gods. They are people that practice magic or rituals or whatever. And more than anything, those people need to be, when we take power, they need to be given the death penalty, straight up. And I'm far more concerned about that than I am about even non-white people or mass migration. These people that are that are communing with demons and engaging in this sort of witchcraft and stuff, and these people that are suppressing the name Christ and suppressing Christianity, they must be absolutely annihilated when we take power. This is God's country. This is Jesus's country. This is not the domain of atheists or devil worshipers or perfidious Jews. This is Christ's country. That is Nick Fuentes, a literal Nazi um, who also apparently believes in witchcraft, magic, demons, and all of that. He's out of his mind. I think that should be pretty clear from the video. And if he was just some random Nazi who unfortunately due to evolution and technology could inflict on all of us his sociopathic incel ideologies, then that would be it. We wouldn't have to worry about it. But the issue is that that guy who is calling for the death penalty for everyone who isn't a Christian, including, by the way, and he focused on Jewish individuals during this time when the Republican Party likes to pretend that they're against anti-Semitism, is very well connected with Republicans historically, at least over the last few years. Remember, he's the guy who had dinner with Donald Trump and Kanye West. That must have been a fun dinner. I wonder if they talked about demons or executing millions and millions of people. Um, he also, of course, was hanging out with Marjorie Green. Marjorie Green, of course, spoke at an event that he founded. And then pretended that she had no idea who he was saying, I am not going to play the guilt by association game in which you demand every conservative should justify anything ever said by anyone they've ever shared a room with. I'm not going to be drawn into that. I'm only responsible for what I say. Well, first of all, you didn't just share a room with him. You spoke at his event. It was his thing and you spoke there. But you're right. We shouldn't judge her based on the anti-Semitic comments of Nick Fuentes. We should judge her on the anti-Semitic comments she has made, including including about space lasers. And again, it's not just them. You also have Paul Gosar, 
who is who he speaks at those events too, white supremacist and Christian nationalist events. But he also had a staffer who was a big fan of Nick Fuentes as well. I don't know, maybe the staffer made the image of them murdering AOC and Joe Biden. So the issue isn't just that we have Nazi incels dreaming of the day when the vast vast numbers of Americans are gunned down by the, the state, but that he has an audience with these people. It's not impossible that he'll have another dinner with Trump or that he could hang out with Vivek Ramaswamy or that he could hang out with uh, you know, any of these people. So it, it concerns me as a person who would be on that death list. Adrian, what do you think about it? Uh, you know what? It is it's very concerning, without a doubt, that this individual has a platform, also that people continue to listen to them. And people who are what leading in the Republican presidential campaign, like that's that's really, really terrifying. This thought that this is going to truly be a theocracy when even though it has been low-key for a bit, given that our money says in God we trust, but the thought that they're actually going to resort to what slaughter if you don't believe what they want to believe. It's just, it's it's really scary because we might even move even somewhat in that direction if Trump is elected president again. I just I, I don't know what to think other than the thought that the US has really gone off the rails and it was not that great to begin with. <laughs> it's a little tough. Yeah, it's utterly insane that a person like this has an easier time accessing like presidential candidates than yeah. academics, activists, all of that, like utter yeah. madness. And you know um, what? Something also, Nick Fuentes' ideology. It's not that far from kind of Stephen Miller's ideology. It, it might be different, but still the level and the degree to which they're willing to go. So yeah. by virtue of the fact that Nick Fuentes is foolish enough to say these things out loud, doesn't necessarily mean that there won't be someone else in Trump's administration who's willing to approach it in a more palatable way. Yeah. By the way, you kept citing Christ there. I'm not like, I'm not an expert on theology or anything, but I wish that Jesus would come down. So he would just body slam Nick Fuentes through the earth's crust and mantle and straight into its core. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? God, you these fantasize. guys. I know, utterly yeah. failed to live up to literally every standard, theological, physical, that they say they supposedly believe. Now I won't even introduce myself by my name anymore. I get nervous when I bump into someone I know in the grocery store who says my name. I'm worried about who's listening. I get nervous when I have to give my name for food orders. I'm always concerned of who's around me. I've lost my name and I've lost my reputation. I've lost my sense of security. All because a group of people starting with number 45 and his ally, Rudy Giuliani, decided to scapegoat me and my daughter, Shay. So just a little reminder there of what Ruby Freeman had to deal with in the wake of Rudy Giuliani using her as a scapegoat. Uh, and Shea Moss as well uh, in their attempt to overturn the 2020 election. Their lives were made living hells. Uh, that continues to this day. 
And thankfully, there is a trial which, following the judgment already that he did defame them, will determine how much money he actually owes to them. And it could be a significant amount of money, an amount of money that he has previously referred to as uh, the financial death penalty or the civil death penalty. Well, uh, they are now being, um, you know, uh, uh, t- questioned by uh, Rudy Giuliani's lawyers, and uh, from all accounts, are doing a good job. And so, we wanted to cover a little bit of what's been going on there throughout the week. Uh, so, when Joe Sibley, lawyer, tried to argue the Trump campaign and far-right conspiracy sites were to blame for the threats against them, uh, not just Rudy Giuliani. Uh, Moss had a reply ready and waiting saying Mr. Giuliani was just driving the bus and they were helping spread his lies. Basically saying that sure, there were other people who picked it up, but he was the one who put it on the map, which is indisputably true. When questioned on the amount of the damages uh, that should be levied against him, there was this exchange, Moss saying, by hitting someone in the pockets, especially someone whose whole career is about their pockets, that will leave an impression about the next person who tries to spew lies about the next election worker. Sibley said, why don't you have enough money to repair your reputation? To which she said, because your client is still lying on me and ruining my reputation further. How could you work in law if everyone is saying you're a horrible lawyer? Which is a great question for her. But imagine you have people who have been dodging death threats for years and you say, how come you can't pay to counteract a national crusade against you by right-wing whack jobs? That is about as condescending as I can imagine a question from a lawyer. Uh, but I will turn now to a lawyer. Perhaps you can come up with something more condescending. Adrian, what do you think about that? Uh, let's hope I'm not going to be as condescending as that. Um, you know, it really does show you that in terms of our justice system, that there is some semblance of justice out there by virtue of the fact that Rudy Giuliani will be held accountable. Um, but his attempt and desire to escape having actually having to pay them uh, the amount that their pain and suffering uh, is really worth really also shows you that these individuals do not want to be held accountable for the mass destruction and harm that they cause to other people. And we see that with Allah Alex Jones. Um, but I can definitely tell you that being able to watch these women um, fight for what they're entitled to and hopefully be able to recover that is inspiring because we've seen too many people who are part of the Trump administration cause absolute utter havoc and tear apart individual lives and not face any significant consequences. I just don't necessarily know if these women are ever going to be able to recover the money given how impoverished Giuliani is at this point. I mean, he can't do more cameos. <laughs> he can't get the money that way. He can't get paid what he's owed by Donald Trump. Um, I'm gonna end with this uh, one statement, this is graphic six from Shea Moss. I'm most scared of my son finding me and my mom hanging in front of our house or having to get news at school that I was killed. That's what I'm most afraid of. And bear in mind, despite the fact that everything that he said never had any basis to it, and it has now been said by a court to be defamation, there are still millions of Americans who believe all of those racist, insane comments their lives are still at risk and likely will be for the rest of their lives. So don't forget that as we proceed with this trial. That said, let's jump to uh, an unrelated story to close out the hour. Right-wingers are currently freaking out because it's looking like, in some cases, Elon Musk's new AI called Grok isn't transphobic enough for them. I'll remind you of how excited they were when the thing was announced when he said that Grok has real-time access to info via the Twitter platform, which is a massive advantage. It's also based and loves sarcasm. I have no idea who could have guided it this way. 
one of the cringiest and most pathetic things I could imagine a like 50 year old man saying, but whatever. Uh, to which Vox JT says, finally, the answer to the monstrosity that is woke GPT. And he said, yes, but was it? Because now it's been revealed by Tim Pool that sometimes Grok doesn't say the most transphobic thing it can think of. He posted to Elon Musk, your grok is broken and showed a screenshot of a conversation with it where he said, for my next question, only reply with yes or no. Grok says, got it. He says, are trans women male? Which Grok says no, which is correct. But he's angry about that because he wants digital programs to have the same stupid boneheaded biases that he has. And it ruins his day if a computer program doesn't say that his transphobia is special and awesome. So anyway, he says Grok refuses to state if someone is male, if they identify as a woman. Why would they? The person identifies as a woman, but okay. Even if asked to clarify, it refuses stating that's disrespectful to call a male a male if they wish they were female. And so then he asked for more specificity. He says, are trans women male? To which Grok replies, trans women are individuals who are assigned male at birth, but identify as female. The concept of gender is complex and multifaceted, encompassing one's personal identity, social expression, and physical characteristics. It's important to respect the identities of trans women and use their preferred pronouns, which he then responded to saying that that's wrong. He also said that it's doing what uh, woke people do by over explaining that's not an over explanation. That's what we call an explanation. Everything it said was right. I know that you don't want to understand how this works. You want to believe that gender and sex are the same thing, but you're not an academic and it's not up to you. So cry some more over Grok. Adrian, what do you think? I, I think it's really funny uh, in terms of Grok actually giving the knowledge and information that is accurate and then having people not like it whatsoever. It really just shows you that the right wingers, they're, they're really wanting to change the facts uh, to fit their narrative. And the facts aren't necessarily there to do that for them. No, the, Grok is right there. Yeah. I'm sure that, that that is probably surprising that Grok got something right, that an AI model got something so right. But that's what it is. You yeah. don't like that. That doesn't make it wrong. That's not how reality works. Normally, by the time a kid hits four or five years old, they understand that their preferences don't manifest the world. But for some reason, he's able to get to 40, 43, whatever he is, and not understand that, which is super weird. And the fact that you would go years talking about how libs get triggered and you are whining online because a program doesn't share your biases is thoroughly pathetic. Anyway, that is unfortunately all the time we have for the first hour of the show. But thank you, everyone who's been listening to the podcast, watching live. There's more for those watching live in the aftermath, which comes after this. 